Turn in your Bibles to Genesis 26 and 27. I've noticed in the last few days in my personal Bible reading, we're going through the book of Genesis again. We mentioned this also in the Sunday School Hour. And the Lord brought to my attention that really the whole Bible is involved with telling us how to be blessed and also that we are blessed by just having life itself, but how to be blessed or how to be cursed. Good and evil. Right and wrong. Blessings and cursings. I think about our missionary, good missionary brother, Alex Cordova, who's such a great soul winner and gives out so much literature. Works there in the Houston port of Port of Houston, working with the different ones. And whenever I talked to him on the phone, I said, well, how you doing, Brother Alex? He said, blessed. He always answers me. I never had anyone else answer me quite like that. He said, I'm blessed. <laughs> and uh, so as I was going through the first few chapters of Genesis, I was realizing that this is the whole key. Is Are, are you... Are you going to be blessed or are you going to be cursed for all eternity? Are you seeking His blessings or are you still under the curse of sin? What are we involved with? I was thinking about the very fact of life itself and the fact of the terrible curse of abortion. It does not even allow children to live so that they can serve God and be saved and go to His eternal heaven forever if they so choose to do so. I'll tell you, the devil is the one who wants all the Christians dead. And so the devil and bin Laden have a lot in common. They want the Jews and we Americans and the, and the Brits all dead. He's terrorists. You know, the Lord Jesus, He's the Prince of Peace. He gives life. But you think about that. When Moses was brought into the world and they sought to kill and drown in the river all the firstborn. And what? Moses' mother put little Moses in the, in the little basket in the bulrushes. There, down in the very waters that were supposed to drown him. And had Miriam looking over little Moses and just happened, I'm sure, not by chance but by providence, that Pharaoh's daughter was down there washing herself with her maidens and the little baby cried. And she said, oh, that's one of the little Hebrew children. And she looked in the basket and he was weeping. And he was a very fair child. And she said, well, I, I think I'll keep this little boy, baby. And then Miriam came up and, and she said, Seek a, a woman to take the baby and nurse the baby for me. And so Miriam, of course, the sister to Moses, goes and gets his own mother. And so Pharaoh's daughter pays Pharaoh, uh, Moses' mother to nurse her own baby. Unbeknowing, I'm sure, to Pharaoh's daughter. God knows how to take care of His own. 
God raised him up to be the great deliverer. The very waters that were drowning others was that which lifted up and preserved Moses. Thank the Lord for His greatness. The very treasures of Egypt, when they spoiled Egypt and they went out, were the things that were used to make the tabernacle. All the gold and all the the dyes and everything when they spoiled the Egyptians. My God knows how to take care of His people. And we're a ransomed people. I'm glad I wasn't aborted! These stupid doctors that are aborting others, they ought to thank God they weren't aborted! They're a bunch of stupid idiots! You tell them for me! And they're wicked on top of being stupid! They maybe have the wisdom of this world, but they have no wisdom of God at all. And the Bible says that when they were killing the babies in Egypt, that those midwives, they disobeyed the king! And God blessed them because they disobeyed the king's orders to kill all the boy babies. I want to say that life is precious. A lot of people are realizing that a lot more since September 11th. That life is precious. Our families are dear to us. And we need to thank God for our families, our friends, for life itself. And along with that, we need to pray for our soldiers. Pray for the CIA and pray for the FBI and all these others who lay their life on the line. And I think we were brought to remembrance of one thing, if nothing else, during this time, that these firemen, they put their life on the line all the time, and our police put their life on the line all the time, friends. We ought to pray for our police. Pray for, pray for our firemen. And pray for our soldiers who defend our freedom. We thank God for each one of them. Pray that they'd come to know the Christ of Calvary. Amen. Get in the Lord's army as well as Uncle Sam's army. I served in the Navy and I served proudly. By the way, before I went in, when I first got saved, I was kind of a pacifist because I was, I was a Methodist and they were a bunch of pacifists. It kind of rubs over on you, doesn't it? But then I read some more Bible. The Old Testament. And before I went in the Navy, I determined that I would not go in the, the, the military unless I would be willing to push the button that would drop the A-bomb and blow a whole a city off the earth. And I decided I was going to go in the Navy because God wanted me in there. And if I pu push the button, the fellow who told me to push the button, he's in charge and he's responsible. And I'd pick up arms and shoot someone else in a minute. I wouldn't want to kill anybody, but they get in my bullet's way, they're gone. Amen? And I almost went with the Marines during Vietnam. And these people that are in the military, in the army, and they're not willing to kill other people, they need to get out of the army! They're a detriment to the fellow in the foxhole next to them! We don't need a bunch of pacifists and they should surely not allow any Jehovah's Witnesses in the army because they don't believe in saluting the flag.
Well, I'm proud to be a Christian most of all. I thank God He saved me. But I had to determine that before I went in and gave four years of my life to the Navy. Because who knows, but you'll be the one called upon to do that. Some people don't think. I remember when I was a baby Christian walking the streets of Buffalo and I said, people just, some people just don't think. And what I meant, they don't think spiritually. You know why? Because they don't know the Bible. Don't these people realize that if they don't think we ought to go to war at this time, that they are, they are weakening some of our, our strength and our forces and our people? I think that's terrible. No, I think we ought to go get them. I think we ought to do our best not to kill any civilians at, any more than necessary at all, at all, none. But I'll tell you what, if those people are that wicked and they are that wicked that they put the civilians right there where the military are, that's just too bad. Just, if you want to, that they are the ones responsible for those civilians being killed, friends. Amen? Those Afghan, those uh, in the Taliban, they don't care about anybody but their sorry self and their own pocketbook. And those people need to be dethroned. And give the Afghan people back their country. The northern people. That don't want this. By the way, you, you need to keep something else in mind also. That either two days before or two days after, they killed the, one of those men up in the northern, their president or whatever he was. He's Taliban. They assassinated him. They, they made sure they got rid of him. Well, their people are not dead. And their people are probably angry for them killing their leader. And just, we're feeding the north and let them come down. And they're the ones that can take them out too. Well, glory be to God. I know one thing, it's a blessing to have life. I remember what Dr. Bill Barron said one day. He talked about that fellow Howard Hughes out there. Had all his billions of dollars. And he said, but I... And then he talked about Sam Walton. And he said, Sam Walton, you know how much money he had and all this. And he said, I, I wouldn't trade places with either one of them because they're dead and I'm alive. I'm telling you, you thank God for life today. You thank God that you're alive, friends. You were not, you didn't go down in that. Maybe you could have been going there to New York City to see that as a sightseeing thing and go up to the toppest, the highest buildings in the world. And you could have died that day. I thank God. Not that long after that, that I was not in New York City right at that time. I thank God that I was still alive. As I mourn for the others, I rejoice that I was still alive. Thank God for life itself, friend. It's wonderful. The blessings, blessing of life, and then the blessing of spiritual life in Christ, and the blessings of continually being blessed. How we need that in these days. We ought to thank the Lord for being blessed. And so if you have your place in Genesis 27:29, let's look there first. 27:29. This matter of being blessed. Let people serve thee. And nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren. He's giving the blessing to Jacob now. Isaac is blessing Jacob. His second born son, but the one who is to be blessed. They were twins, you remember, Jacob and Esau. 
Let the people serve Thee, and nations bow down to Thee. Be Lord over Thy brethren, and let Thy mother's sons, that's Esau, bow down to Thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth Thee, and blessed be everyone that blesseth Thee. Verse 32, And Isaac said, his father said unto him, Who art thou? This is Esau coming in with the venison. And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it me? And I have eaten of all before thou camest. And have blessed him, yea, and he shall be blessed. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. Verse 35, and he said, Thy brother came in with subtility and hath taken away thy blessing. And he said, this is Esau, Is not he rightly called Jacob? For he hath supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him thy Lord, and all his brethren have I given to him for servants. And with corn and wine have I sustained him. And what shall I do unto thee, my son? And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father, O my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. He should have wept when he disdained his birthright and sold it for a mess of pottage soup and lentils. And now he's weeping. Here's what Isaac said in verse 39. And Isaac, his father, answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. And by thy sword thou shalt live and, and shalt serve thy brother. And it shall come to pass when thou shalt have the dominion that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning of my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother, Jacob. Going back to that 29th verse, stand with me for a moment, please, in honor to the Word of God. Let's read just the verse 29. The emphasis is on blessing and cursing. Are you blessed this morning, or are you cursed? Do you want His blessings, or do you want His curses? And are you going to be blessed for all your life and then on into eternity? Or are you going to forfeit that by being foolish in making foolish decisions like Lot did and like Esau did? Verse 29, please. 
Let people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren. Let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. Let's have prayer. Father, bless the Word of God to our hearts now, our understanding. Dear Lord, remind us afresh there is no salvation without understanding. Dear Lord, this is not salesmanship. This is the calling of God, the preaching of the Gospel. Dear Lord, we did selling before we were called of God to preach. And this is not selling. This is giving forth the eternal Word of God. And people can either be blessed or be cursed. Receive of Thy hand the blessings that, Lord, You want to impart to them or they can go on their way and go to perdition because of not desiring the hand of God and the work of God and the peace of God and the blessing of God in their life. Help us, Lord, we pray, to seek always Thy blessing and that it would be perpetual in the life of we that are saved and we would just go on from blessing to blessing, from faith to faith, from grace to grace, from joy to joy. Blessing to blessing. Have thy way, we pray. Meet every need of every heart, our Father, this morning. And those that are lost in their sin and still not fully assured of salvation. Dear Lord, as Oliver B. Green often prayed in days gone by, save the soul that's nearest hell. Dear Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. By the way, you don't know the day of your death, the hour of your death. It says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. What is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Don't say we'll go to a certain city and we'll buy and sell and get gain. But what we ought to say is, the Lord will, we will do this or that. For what is your life? When you compare it to eternity, it's pretty small, is it not? The Bible says that a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. And you're not going to live to be a thousand. It's only three score and ten now. And if by reason of strength four score, seventy or eighty, that's all you get. You might get ninety or a hundred, but you're on borrowed time after seventy, fellow. You're just, not, you're just getting the overflow and the blessing of God. I was reading my Bible in Genesis and... It, it reminded me that these early ones like Adam and Noah, different ones all the way up to Noah, Abraham, a little later of course, but all those up till the flood, how many of them lived to be almost a thousand years old? Eight or nine hundred years old. You say, well, those were different days back then. No, somebody fooled you. Evening and morning. By the way, even at the time of the flood, Noah was, it was the 600th year of Noah. And they were on the ark about a whole year. Because it tells you the month and the day of the month. It kind of reminds me of what's going on now. And not one of them lived to be over a thousand years old. Methuselah, the oldest one recorded, 969 years, and he died. Didn't live to be that one, one day in the mind of God. 
thousand years is a day. So God's time clock is altogether different than ours. We better buy up every opportunity to serve the Lord. Here Esau, he was, you know, it's very interesting. It says that, that Isaac loved Esau. But Re- Rebekah loved Jacob. That's strange, isn't it? Then you go over in the New Testament and God says, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Now I believe it has reference to the fact of nations and groups of peoples. But the truth of the matter is, it says that Isaac loved his son because he ate of his venison. Probably Isaac was the one who taught his son how to go out and hunt. The deer. And then what? He was the hairy man. He was the firstborn, Esau. But he was the one who sold his birthright. He was not the saved man. That's the way it is. Some are are born to be spiritually minded and some are born to be carnal. I don't understand it all. By the way, uh, that may happen in your family too. Truth of the matter is, Before they were even born, it was told that. The younger, the older shall serve the younger. Rebecca was right there. You say, well, yes, she she wasn't right by by making those uh, kid skins and killing the goat. Listen, I don't understand everything about everything. I don't know why God preserved Rahab the harlot when she lied, but it was a time of war. Usually the curse of God is on lying. But I'm told during war, that's the very thing you're supposed to be doing is deceiving the enemy. So uh, different times there, right? You don't go kill people, but if you're in the police force and this fellow's already killed ten people, you can blow his head right off. And everybody will rejoice because he's killed ten innocent people. Normally you're not supposed to blow a fellow's head off. Amen? But I'd be sure glad that a policeman did it. I'm sure glad that they finally killed that fellow who ran his truck through Luby's and killed all those people over there. I was so glad he didn't come out with his hands up. They blew him away. Dirty, wicked devil. My wife was went over to Piccadilly's instead of going there to Luby's, and she'd have been right there when they... And that's where she sat, right where he drove his truck right through. Thank the Lord. She went to Piccadilly. She just sat down and all the fire sirens went off. Mm-mm. See, the Bible says, Thou shalt not kill. But that means thou shalt do no murder. That does not have reference to the police force, nor does it have reference to the military. It has no reference to that at all. It's innocent people because there was a place preserved, uh, cities of refuge for them to go. If they kill the person in, a, in, a, in an innocent way, they kill the person. So it had reference to premeditated murder. And it sure didn't have anything to do with uh, not killing a cow. For the Bible told them they were killed to kill that cow, that uh, steer, and offer it up to God the blood of that steer, or a lamb, or a sheep. And so it surely had reference to men. But here we have Esau. Look at, look at chapter 26 of Esau. I mean, listen to me. 
Everything about Esau was wrong, friends. He was born wrong. He was born on the wrong side of the tracks in regard to God's economy. He was fleshly minded. He was egocentric. He was he despised his birthright. To think of nothing of the fact that he was the firstborn, he should have wanted the blessings and the birthright of his father. That's the greatest thing of a man who's born of a, a godly man. Isaac didn't disdain his father Abraham's birthright. Why did Esau? Jacob didn't disdain it. Jacob sought it and wanted it. See, Jacob had the right heart. He was the plain man. He wasn't the hairy man. But he was the, he was the man who was being called of God. You say, yes, his name was wrong. No, his name meant surplanter, deceiver. I know it did, but God changed his name, friends. And made his name Israel. Thank God I got my name changed one day. I got born again. And Peter, he was called Cephas. And then he was called Peter, which means the rock. And those sons of thunder. Amen. Many of those, the Lord changed their names. Paul's name was first Saul, but his name was changed to Paul. You say, why? Maybe because the first king of Israel was Saul. And he sure went the wrong way, didn't he? He started out good, but he ended up bad. But Paul, the apostle, he started out with the name Saul. He started out bad, killing Christians. And then he became one. I'll tell you what. It's better to start out wrong and end up right than to start out right and end up wrong. Very important how you end up the end of your life. I'm so thrilled that these young ones serving God and get excited about the Lord and preaching and everything and get feeling call of God. But I'll tell you what, when you get my age is when it really counts, friend. I want an abundant entrance. I want to go in on the victory side standing as strong or stronger than I stood when I was a young baby Christian. In God's army, there's no place for weaklings. And though Jacob was, was viewed as being a plain man, and even making the soup and helping Mama make the soup or the, or the porridge or the whatever the, the world it was, the lentils, the beans, thank God the blessing of God was in his heart. So I want my son to be a, a, a good shot and a, a bowman. Well, as long as his heart's not like Esau's. Nothing wrong with loving, fishing, and hunting, but their heart better be on fire to be in church and serve God. Esau, look what he does. He doesn't even know how to marry right. By the way, it looks like Esau and Jacob both got married about 40 years old because Isaac wasn't born until he was, I think it was 60. Well, get that anyhow. Look, at, look here with me at 34 anyhow. Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judith, the daughter of Barry the Hittite, and he takes two wives instead of one on top of it. Look at the mess here. And these are heathen wives. And Bethshema, the daughter of Elion, the Hittite. Look at verse 35. This is in chapter 26. Genesis 26, verse 35. 
which were a grief of mine unto Isaac and to Rebekah. A grief of mine. A grief of mine. He couldn't even marry right. Ishmael, the same way. The son, head by Hagar. Sarah made a, a wrong judgment, a wrong call, and he, she gives to Abraham Hagar, where she got her out of Egypt. You always get a bunch of junk in Egypt. Egypt's always a type of the world in the Bible. And what does she do? I mean, what does he do? He marries at his mother's advice, and he marries an Egyptian girl, Esau. I mean, Ishmael, Ishmael. But Isaac... They are very cautious and they want, they want to get the right wife. Isaac wanted to get the right wife for himself. And he was interested in that. And Abraham and I, they send the Eliezer to get the wife for Isaac. And it's a Rebecca and she's out by the well. You know, as he was going... Even Jacob were getting back and forth, Isaac and Jacob. But I mean, Isaac was blessed, Abraham was blessed, and, and uh, Jacob was blessed, but Esau was not blessed, and Ishmael were not blessed. They were born wrong, friends. They weren't, they just were not right with God all the way through their whole life. They couldn't marry right. And the more they did, the worse it got. Don't you know people like that? You know, I was so thankful. You say, what is all this about, blessing and cursing? I'm so glad that I married a little country girl from North Carolina, and I'm glad I met her in a Baptist church. I'm so glad I didn't marry out of my faith. I'm so glad that, that she was carrying her Bible to school on top of her other books before she met me, and she was thinking she might marry a preacher someday. I'm so glad I prayed about a wife and I said, Lord, I'm, I'm getting lonely now. I need a wife. You show her to me and I'll be glad to take her. First thing I asked my wife, told my wife, I said, I'm not looking for a girlfriend. I've had a lot of girlfriends. I'm looking for a wife. About Florida. She's only 17 years old. Amen. I married her at 17 and before she was 18, she had our first baby boy. Pretty good idea. No time to get defiled. I was a little older. Her mother thought I was going, thought maybe I was a hypocrite. I just steal her little baby daughter, her ninth little child, the baby of the family, and take her off to New York. And I really wouldn't be a real Christian like a lot of others. But see, Christ was in my heart. I was born again. I think about that lady up there, up in the church up in New York, and I preached there many years later. She got up and testified. She said, Jack Harvey, he was the most stubborn thing I've ever met. At, we at, at Hedstrom Baptist Church, we couldn't believe him. He'd argue about everything. We thought he'd never be much of a Christian if he even became one. And here he's more zealous than all of us. God can work miracles. <laughs> Amen. God can save you and He can use you and bless you. 
I mean, who would have ever thought that the Apostle Paul, though he had a great mind, taught at the feet of Gamaliel, but he was going and he jailed Christians and he even held their garments as they stoned Stephen to death. And Paul was the result. The, the, Paul's authority caused many Christians to be even killed, the Bible tells us. And on the road to Damascus, praise the Lord. It sure shows a verse, doesn't it? There is a way that seemeth right unto the man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. He thought he was right by killing Christians, and then he became one. Boy, did he go about and gave, and he suffered much because he made others suffer. But what a great evangelist, what a great missionary, what a great preacher Paul was, what a great mind he was, what great epistles God allowed him to write to us. What a great man of God he was. God's in the, in the business of blessing. Blessing those that want to be blessed. You know, I don't think God really wants to spend much time blessing people who don't want to be blessed. You ever think of that? You know why most of us got saved? We wanted to be saved. Amen? Now, I'm not saying at first we wanted to be saved, but after the Spirit of God and we heard the Bible... You know, maybe we were argumentative and everything else, but we did want to know God. We just didn't know how to find Him. And we, He wasn't lost. We were the ones lost, but we wanted to find God. Didn't you, weren't you like that? I was like that all my life. I just thought that the Baptist way was... Uh, I thought they were a little Lulu. Really? They're a little overboard. They don't believe in dancing? What's wrong with dancing? They don't go to movies? That's when Baptists didn't go to movies. Huh? I said, they're a bunch of crazy. They don't believe in playing cards. Well, I play Cadest and I play Pinoch and all that. We don't gamble. Those Baptists think everything's wrong? Yeah. As soon as I got saved, they didn't argue about any of them. Any of those things. I said, they're right and I'm wrong. But as a Methodist, they, I thought they were a little overboard. And there's people coming in this church and they think we're a little overboard. I tell you, I'd rather be a little too far for, to the right than be too neutral. Because we're going to meet the God of total right one day. Amen? And I would think God would be a little bit more holy than your preacher. Amen, brother? God is so holy. So much more holy than I'll ever hope to be. I could have standards higher than I have now and still I'll never attain to His holiness. What a holy God we have. The more holy we see Him, the more defiled we see ourselves and in need of His blessing and His holiness. Well, Abraham obeyed God. He obeyed the commands of God. I want to give you one other man and we'll be through. Turn over to 1 Chronicles 4, 9, and 10. We've preached about him before, but I'll tell you why you get blessed is you really want a blessing. You want a blessing? Seek the Lord. As the heart pants after the water brook, so pants my soul after thee, O God. Do you want to know God like... like would you like to, friends, would you young boys and girls and you older people, would you like to know God as well as the, the, the person in this world who knows Him better than anyone else? 
Don't you think there is a person probably in the whole world? Or there's persons in the whole world who know the Lord better than we know Him and love Him more than we love Him and worship Him more than we worship Him? Well, if you want to have that love for Christ, that adoration for Christ, that worship for Christ, that knowledge of Christ, you'll have to really want to know Him that way. And if you really do, He'll just give you Himself. But you really have to want Him. As, as Brother Lightsey prays, and Lord, we want you. I never heard anybody ever keep praying that way, brother. Never ever heard anybody else pray like Brother Lightsey. He says, Lord, and we want you. We need to really want to know God. And we want Him. Amen? We want to be blessed by Him. I'll tell you, as a young, a young boy, before I got saved, I, I, I stood under the stars when I was at Stockade out there in the camp and looked up and I never saw so many stars out there. Uh, they're just everywhere. And I just heard some preaching or teaching or whatever on the Bible. And so I was really thinking about God as a young boy. And I didn't get saved right then. But I'll tell you, I wanted, I just knew that God, there was a great big God up there. I tell you, if you really want to know Him, you can know Him. If you want to know Him better, you can know Him. And Jabez, verse 9, 1 Chronicles 4, 9, And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called him, his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. And we've had a problem in New York and in Washington, and it ought to cause us to want to know Him better and to be more honorable than the rest. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed! That's the first thing he said. Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed! And the last part of the verse, And God granted him that which he requested. He also said, And enlarge my coast." And that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldst keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. But what does it say? First one, oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed. And then, and God granted him that which he requested. If you ask right, you'll get the right that you request. Don't you want to know God better? Don't you want to love him more? Don't you want to be motivated and, and just directed by God to help precious sinners who need to be saved? Don't you want to get those tracks into their hands or, or speak to the ones uh, that God has for you to come across their path? Don't you want to be blessed above measure? You'll have to get next to the blesser if you're really going to be a blessing and get His blessing. You'll have to just get close to Jesus. You want His peace? You'll have to get close to the Prince of Peace. You want His wisdom? You'll have to get close to wisdom itself. That's Jesus. How well, teenager, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? How precious is He to you? How wonderful is He to you? Is He blessing your life? By the way, if we are spiritual beings because we've been born again, the greatest thing in our life ought not to be physical things. It ought to be spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. See, we are spiritual. 
You know, the sinner, I talked to one just yesterday, and he thought he was saved because he had some experience as a young boy in a Baptist church. But the problem is he hasn't been in church in seven years, eight years, and something's just plumb wrong there. Something's wrong there. Because Christ is everything to a person who's saved. And then when we talked to him about blessings and things, he said he was talking about how the Lord saved him out of an accident and this and this. And, and, and God does. Don't get me wrong. God does. But what does he do for you in the, in the spiritual realm? Do you feel his presence when you read his word? When you hear some preaching or teaching or something about Christ and his wonder and his love for you and his great grace and his blessing, does your, does your heart just jump out of your chest and you say, oh, I love him. Oh, I want him. Oh, I want his presence. I want his power. I want him to use me. He died for me and I want to die for him. Spiritually, at least, if not physically, I want to die spiritually and let him live his life through me. My Lord is my best friend. Abraham was called the friend of God. <laughs> Thank God. And Noah walked with God. When did you take a good walk with God, teenager? That's a problem with a lot of our young ones. They think they know God and they've never been born again for they don't know Christ. Whom to know right is life eternal. See, you cannot have the eternal Christ come and live in you and you not be a new person. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. When did that happen to you, teenager? Preteen? You in your 20s? When did your whole life change? It changed for me at 16 years old. Why hasn't it all changed for you? There was a one time when I was first a baby Christian, I thought everybody ought to get saved just like I did. And they ought to have the same experience I had. Then I went on in my experience a while and I got around a bunch of dead Christians. You know, not very lively, not very surrendered. And then I thought, well, everybody gets saved in a different, you know, in a different way. Well, I'm back to my original. Because I read the Pilgrim's Progress and that, that load of sin came off my back when I came to the cross. And it wasn't the cross, it was He who hung on the cross that made the difference. Amen? There were other crosses there on either side of Him, but His was the cross! that made the difference because He hung there for me. When I saw Jesus dying for me, I died that day when I got saved. I died to self and Christ became all in all to me. When did that happen to you? Some of you are having a terrible time living a Christian life because you're not a Christian. Just get saved and things are different now. Something happened to me. Amen? Things are different. We used to sing that as teenagers. Things are different now. When he took my sins away, gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. Buried in the deepest sea. Yes, that's good enough for me. My sins are G-O-N-E, gone. Amen? When did you get saved? 
Some of you smile, but you have a fake smile. When you really get saved, it'll be real. When you really say, oh, he's so wonderful. See, salvation is just knowing the one who died at Calvary for you. And when you meet him spiritually, you're never the same. And when you die to yourself like you ought to, you'll want to know him better and love him more and serve him better. Because one day we're going to stand before him and we're going to wish we did better. I wished I had given him more, more, so much more. Well, young person, do you know Jesus? Young person, do you love Jesus? How much do you know Him? How much do you love Him? Don't you want His blessings? Lord, bless me. And make me a blessing. You know why I could sing that with all my heart when I was a teenage boy? Make me a blessing out of my life. May Jesus shine because the blesser had come in. Jesus was everything to me. Boy, I'd sing it with all my gusto I had. Make me a blessing. Oh, that we'd just want to know Him and love Him. You say, well, what would keep me from being saved? Your sin will keep you from being saved. Your selfishness and self-centeredness. But when you get that out of the way and let Jesus come in, then everything's different. Salvation is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. See, Esau was out there with his bow trying to get the deer. He's trying to do everything in the flesh. And Jacob just was submissive to his mother. They just went and got a kid of the goats. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left the crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Oh, the average person in the United States and the world saying, what can I do to please God? And the truth of the matter is, Christ already did it. It's a done thing, friends. Christ did it at Calvary. Just accept what He did and don't try to figure out God or try to please Him with your good works. Just come to Him and trust Him and He'll, He'll take you to heaven. Well, let me close with this. You know, here was Rebecca. The servant went to get Rebecca. He didn't know it was Rebecca though. A bride for Isaac. And there she was at the water. She was where she was supposed to be at the right time. Then they came and asked her after had all this, and they said, do you, do you really want to go? And I will go. <laughs> I will go. Wasn't she eager? She wanted to go and be married to Isaac. That rich young man who owned it all. Amen. She saw tokens of his wealth, but she says, I will go. And the servant took her and took her to Isaac. And he was, he was blessed in his new bride because his mother had 
shortly before Sarah had died. And Isaac was comforted. May God help us to want to be blessed. There's a blessing in life itself, but there's a real blessing in spiritual life in Christ. And then as a believer, you know, you ought to want to be blessed and blessed and blessed, continually blessed on and on. Let's pray. Father, bless, we pray, each one present this morning. I'm convinced, Lord, that there are probably some seated here this morning who, dear Lord, they're glad to be in church, but they don't know the Christ of the church. They're thankful that they were encouraged as little ones to be taken to church by their parents, and yet they don't know the Christ of Calvary as we know the Lord. And so may they simply trust Jesus and see Jesus hanging there in their place and dying for them, and may they repent of their sin and by faith trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their very own Savior. May they do as it says in Romans, call upon the name of the Lord. May they call upon Thee. May they do as the Philippian jailer. He said, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And may they believe on Jesus. May they see that salvation is simply by believing and trusting Christ and not by works of righteousness, which we have done. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. May they trust thee as the Christ who's able to save to the uttermost all that come unto God by him seeing He ever liveth. May they come and be saved today. May they not try to figure out everything about salvation, but come to the Christ of Calvary and be saved by His wonderful grace and the wonderful faith that Thou hast even imparted us in His finished work at Calvary. And Lord, we that are saved, may we want to know Thee better and better and better, love Thee more and more and more, May we say as Brother Lightsey does so often, Lord, I want you. Lord, we want thee to come in freshness and power, thy presence to be known more and more. We pray and ask in Jesus' name.